Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pastini is Eugene's new Italian bistro at Oakway Center. Dedicated to serving up two of life's greatest pleasures, pasta and wine. Join them for classic favorites like spaghetti and meatballs, linguine with clams and sausage, and fettuccine Alfredo paired with hand-selected Pacific Northwest and Italian wines. Pastini. Eat pasta. Drink wine. Welcome to the Duck Pod. I'm Ryan Thorburn, joined by Austin Meek. Austin, we're about 72 hours away from actual Oregon football, which is kind of exciting. But uh, before we uh, say farewell to our guest, let's welcome him in for the first time. Uh, <laughs> Register Guard alum Andrew Greif with the Oregonian, Oregon beat writer. Um, Andrew, thanks so much for coming in. How's life? <laughs> it's, uh, it's busy. I... I was telling this to Ryan earlier, but we're at that point of fall camp where I was really concerned I wasn't going to have a story, like enough material for a story for Sunday's Oregonian. And then I realized, oh, wait, there's actually a game. So you can tell where my <laughs> mind is at right now. I'm just kind of all over the place. Yeah. But I'm excited to actually see this team. Well, if you haven't heard the news, Andrew uh, is, is leaving us. He's going to L.A. to become the Clippers beat writer for the L.A. Times. I know you've done uh, some Blazers coverage for the Oregonian. So wh- what are you looking forward to about covering the uh NBA and what do you think you'll miss about covering college sports? Well, I covered when I was at the Gridster Guard. So I was a copy editor here for about three years, and so that those shifts would always start about three o'clock in the afternoon. So I would spend the hours beforehand uh, for a couple years writing for this NBA magazine slash website called Dime, and I did that thing where I just worked from about nine a.m. till uh, two p.m. Uh, just writing, you know, blog posts about who knows what. Uh, whatever was churning that day. It was a lot of aggregation uh, with some occasional feature work. And then I come to work here. And so it, uh, I feel like there's a level of familiarity with the NBA. And I just, I like it the most of all the major sports league. I just follow it the most. So um, I'm really excited to actually be around it more full time. I really enjoyed the playoffs for the Oregon. That was a lot of fun going to New Orleans and just the access was wonderful. I mean, we have pretty good access to Oregon in terms of uh, what we can see and just assistance we can talk with, the fact we can talk to some assistance, which is not the case at SEC schools largely. Um, but the NBA, it's it's nice because on some days, you can on a game day, you could talk to the player or coach three times, um, just the way it's structured. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, I think what I will miss about college, though, is um, it just seems like there's so much writing on every week. And that's a lot of fun because fans and readers get so into it and i'm sure all of our inboxes can attest to that (laughs) whether we write something they don't like or the ducks do something they don't like um there's a lot of passion there and it's because it's so concentrated into like you know 13 games nba is obviously a lot longer than that and so i think that'll be an adjustment is just you know that tuesday game in february in memphis might not mean as much as even a portland state game might for the ducks in september it's interesting that we're sitting here because i think the three of us 
as far as our timetable of covering this beat are, are pretty much similar. I started yeah. in 2013. I believe that's when you went to the O. Is that right, Andrew? Yep. yep. Uh, to start covering Oregon football. And then um, Austin came about a month after I arrived. Yeah. So just in these last five years, what's kind of your, your takeaway or some of your memories that are lasting as far as covering, obviously, Mariota and Helfrich and then one and done Willie and, and now Mario Cristobal as he gets ready to take over? Yeah, I was talking to someone about um, just what's happened in the last two years is incredible. Uh, because just think about going into the season two years ago, it was still Helfrich. You know, Dakota Prukop was going to be the next great grad transfer quarterback. Justin Herbert was a fun preseason story, but we didn't really know much more beyond that. And just think about what's transpired in just two years, let alone five. Um, so I'll think about that kind of just incredible uh, turnover, uh, the wild last two years. But also, I think uh, the trips to follow Marcus around, which were just uh, probably some of my highlights. Uh, the first time I ever wore a tuxedo in my life was because of Marcus Mariota. <laughs> Thank you, Marcus, at the Heisman <laughs> dinner. Um, That's the only time I've been allowed to stay at the Marriott Marquis. Thanks to exactly. Marcus. <laughs> exactly. That was a, a highlight. <laughs> uh, you know, that whole East Coast swing that you were on, too, from, you know, Disney, Disney World, up to Baltimore, up to uh, the Heisman ceremony and going to Hawaii for his NFL draft kind of party. That, that I think that was a lot of fun because you just saw this player who was blossoming into like this superstar in front of you. You knew he was really good. And all of a sudden he became like the most important story in the country for a couple of days of 2014, 2015. So uh, I think that was the most memorable thing that jumps to mind. Yeah, I think probably a highlight for all of us was the Rose Bowl that year, covering the the first college football playoff, the national championship game in Dallas. Uh, so if if you had to lay down a bet right now in the next 10 years, does Oregon make another college football playoff? Hmm. Gosh. I... 10 years is a long time. I think, uh, Sure, yeah, I would say yes. Uh, I think they're scheduling aggressively enough that he, if you can pick off one of those uh, big win, like let's say next year, let's say Justin Herbert returns. Yeah. Uh, you know, Patrick Herbert's going to be there as a freshman. Seems like that's something he's entertaining the idea of playing with Patrick. Mm-hmm. You have Auburn. Uh, now, the rest of the non-conference schedule is not as easy as it is this year, but let's say you use that Auburn game as a springboard. Uh, you have a generational quarterback. You have a defense that let's you know maybe jim levitt's back could be very good uh i I think that next year might even be a a why not you know let's probably shouldn't bet against them next year but i think 10 years yeah seems like a reasonable bet feels like they've got yeah it feels like they've got a nice little window here where you know between a couple years of herbert potentially and the recruiting class that they've got coming in um i almost maybe would bet it on the early side of that 10-year window versus uh versus the more long term but i don't know just rewinding quickly before we talk about Mario, are you shocked? I mean, I thought once Marcus left that obviously there's going to be a drop-off and a transition, but I'm still pretty shocked that Helfrich, that it all caved in on him within two years of that. Just what's kind of your thoughts on that and and them finally going outside the program and getting burned by Willie and, and can Mario and this staff, you know, help them recover from that? I, I was shocked and maybe... That's be my own fault because I, in my role, don't have to cover recruiting at like a ground level like some people do. And so I wasn't necessarily tracking everything about, you know, the key misses that clearly in hindsight, 
led to some of that caving in. You know, the, everyone talks about the quarterback. Oh, they didn't have a successor ready. Well, it seems like there are a lot of other positions that needed help too. Um, so that that's something that I think a lot of us came on to late, like October, November, kind of trying to pe- put the pieces together. Like, where's this thing unraveling? And recruiting was a big one. So I, I was surprised that that happened so quickly. I thought that he would get basically get another shot. I thought he'd get that fifth year. Um, obviously, it wasn't the case. It, you know, you can't... Um, I don't think you can blame Rob Mullins for going outside because you look, look at that higher and, I mean, it just seems like it ticks off all the boxes. Willie was energetic, obviously an amazing recruiter. Just seems like people was kind of that magnetic personality that people um, got people excited, let's put it that way. And I I was not surprised that he left after one year just because Florida State, as he's from there. But uh, it's I've been shocked just in the aggregate of how much has changed. You know, uh, like I said, just going back two years, it's just crazy to think about. If you were to explain to someone at this week, two years ago, okay, here's what's going to happen, they would never believe you. They'd never believe you in a second. And so I'm, I'm stunned by that. I think that Mario, I, I, you know, I'm one of those people, I'm in his side that I don't think the Florida International record, 27 to 48, should probably be the thing we hold him to because the, you know, the program there was in shambles and he, he did get kind of, cut loose I, what seemed most people think to be a year early yeah um, I think that he's a better coach than that record suggests and if you're just going by that of course you're going to be disappointed by the hire but uh, the way he's recruited so far seems that there's been no drop off in that the players you know you talk to them on the record or off the record and they seem to love him and they seem like there's a lot of buy in and now I'm, now I'm curious to see if the you know the coordinators he has can really play call their way into you know contention in the yeah. Pac-12 North. Yeah, I've, I've often wondered, where would Oregon be right now if they'd stuck with Helfrich for another year? Would they be in a better place? Would they be in a worse place? I mean, I, they won seven games last year. I think they would have won at least seven games last year if the whole state... Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Staff had come back, uh, but it was obvious that, I think the, I think the not to get too far bogged down in history, but you know, I, I think the, the death knell for Helfrich was, he just never found a defensive coordinator. If he'd stuck with Brady Hoke, uh, they might have won a few more games last year, but they'd still be terrible on defense, and we'd still be having these conversations again. So in some ways, it was probably time for Oregon to start fresh with somebody. They took a shot with Taggart. He did some good things. He didn't stick around. Now they got Cristobal. What do you think is a reasonable expectation for Cristobal, because I don't, I don't get the sense that any Oregon fans, or at least not most Oregon fans, are expecting a return to the Chip Kelly days of winning eleven or twelve games every year. Uh, but what do you think it's going to take for Mario Cristobal to be considered successful here and to be able to stick around and, and bring some stability to the program after all the upheaval that we've been talking about? 
I think whatever that top tier of the Pac-12 North is from year to year, whether it's always going to be Washington, Stanford, Oregon, or or maybe just Oregon and Washington or whatever, I think he always needs to be in there. I think it's a bare minimum. And this year's schedule sets up for them to do that with the Huskies and Cardinal at home. Uh, I just think that he has to stay in that top tier because you cannot be among the that second you know group of the cows. Um, I just, you can't do that. I think the fans will get restless, and obviously, that if you can't compete there, then you're never going to compete for the big titles that people seem to believe Oregon should be in the conversation for um, some years. I, reasonable expectation that contention and and you know every few years having a, a popping a big season yeah. you know like kind of like, like Bilotti I thought that you know you look at there are some seasons of Bilotti where you know they had the ten win or they had some eleven win seasons those were not the norm but you came to know that um, he was capable of that and I think we're all kind of curious whether Cristobal and the staff um, however long they stay together is capable of getting to that big double digit number you know because I think we're all pretty certain that okay yeah they'll be relatively good this year and i imagine for the years going forward if, if the recruiting stays the way it is but can they get to that championship level that everyone likes to talk about yeah i remember you know obviously we were surprised with what happened with Helfrich as far as the immediate drop off but i remember when chris peterson was hired by washington i was thinking that's going to be hard to hold off long term <laughs> like extremely hard not only do you have peterson you have david shaw who is a great coach uh, you have Kyle Whittingham in the South, and now you have your brand new neighbor to be, Chip Kelly, at <laughs> UCLA. I mean, you were around when Chip was. You were in Eugene at the time when he yeah. had that going. Um, is this a situation? I saw a quote from Scott Frost the other day where he's like, "You better beat us now." Is this a situation where Oregon and company better beat Chip Kelly now? Do you think he can get UCLA up to that level? I think so. I mean, it just—it's always seemed like that kind of like arizona state like why why don't they win more mm-hmm. and it seemed like the commitment to football and sometimes however you want to define that uh seemed like it wasn't quite there um like i remember it wasn't only a couple years ago they put in a hundred hundred yard practice field at ucla i mean yeah. it's like that would seem to be a telltale sign of like well you know we're, we want to be good but we're not going to do everything it takes well they've built this brand new center for football that was designed by the same people who did oregon's hatfield Dallin complex they obviously paid big bucks to get rid of jim mora and bring in chip kelly so uh, i do think that they should be expected to be pretty good i mean they didn't bring him in there to be anything less and i saw a quote from nick aliotti that this year's team he thought might be six and six so yeah i think they'll probably take their lumps i don't even know if they have a quarterback they just lost josh woods to an injury but i i I don't know i just think that in the college game how can you doubt chip kelly just with what's happening he turned guys like you know justin roper and Jeremiah Masoli, they scrap heap quarterbacks into guys who lit up teams on Good Afternoon. So I, I'll just, I think that he's some, there's some kind of pixie dust that he has there. <laughs> and Jerry has an arrow. I think he's a big piece of the puzzle as yeah. he was at Oregon, kind of the shadow defensive coordinator here. Yeah. Well, you'll have a, a firsthand view of that in LA. LA is such an interesting sports city, especially right now with LeBron going there, uh, NFL. Major League Baseball. It's I, I imagine there's going to be no shortage of stuff to uh, to pay attention to in L.A. and it's going to be a fun um, a fun media market to be in. So this is probably a, a dangerous question, but you're leaving in a couple weeks anyway. So what do you care? Uh, what's what do you think oh, the no. what do you think the future of sports media is? Um, <laughs> where 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 do you see us all going? I'm gonna I'm gonna let you answer that. <laughs> this is like I remember 
interviewing for an internship in college and one of the questions was oh what do you think the journalism industry can do to help itself and i thought <laughs> why are you asking me that i'm 20 <laughs> you know i think there's a consultant in new york who's probably uh. making you know six figures who should probably know the answer to this um gosh i think the athletic model is something that everyone's hoping works out yeah um i just i don't you know i they're paying a lot of people um and paying them well and they're creating jobs and i just think that's something that in the industry is is hopeful regardless if you're competing with them or not i just think it's nice that there is some um some hope out there i I don't know what the business model what that looks like in a few years if if that means selling to a wealthy investor or if that means it's going to sustaining and keep building but uh, I think it's good to have more people working in, in the most obvious statement of the year. So uh, I don't know if that organization becomes the the dominant you know nationwide thing that even supplants like an ESPN in terms of just national reach. But I think it, it is hard for some of these more localized markets. Just I mean, just from working in one, uh, it just it just seems like every day. I mean, today there were unfortunate layoffs at a paper up the road in Corvallis, and that, that where I worked right out of college, and it's just. You, you see that so often that it's really disheartening, and I hope that that turns around, but I don't know how that happens, and I I do know that, and I've, I just hope that from seeing people get hired, and I'm not talking about myself, but just people who I really enjoy get hired and move around, that I do feel like for the journalists themselves, I think good work will always help you, yeah. but um, but for the places where they work, I mean, it's, it's a much harder question, because I think that a lot of places do good work, and yet you see the operations um, faltering. Um, so I'm not, I wish I had a, a sunnier view of it, <laughs> but uh, I really hope that the localized markets can stay, can stabilize, because you know that the big markets, luckily like where I'm going to other places, you figure that there will be a, a rabid a, a consumption for what they produce. And, uh, you know, other ones, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I do think that the athletic has a chance because America's obsessed with sports right. and you're willing to pay to read about the ducks if you love the ducks. And that's great. My concern on a broader level is there's no website for getting coverage of, you know, city government or, you know, politics and that sort of thing. I don't, I mean, where do you go to pay for that and to get that information? So my hope is that brands like the LA Times. Um, where you're going um, more locally, the Register Guard. I hope brands endure, whether we print the paper or not, and and those type of stories endure, and people can subscribe and find out what's going on with the mayor and that sort of thing. And hopefully, uh, you know, they'll tune in for the ducks yeah, as well. But the ducks <laughs> that would help. But yeah, it's it's a hard question to answer. I mean, there's there's got to be journalists somewhere, but. Uh, yeah. We're figuring it out as we go, I guess. Yeah. Well, since we uh, ended it on that sunny note, it's been fun covering the Ducks with you the last five years, even though you were uh, with the competition. I, there's always some camaraderie on the beat, so it, yeah. it's been fun. Uh, we wish you well in L.A., and thanks for swinging by the podcast before you go. Thank you. Yeah, I, I read a story last year. I'll just end on this about like this it was a ringer story about the philadelphia eagles press corps and how like they all hate each other but yet they all like consider themselves like best friends too and the oregon beat is nothing like that in terms of vitriol (laughs) but i remember reading that and thinking this really does mirror a lot of my experience where you're competing and you always are looking for that next story that's going to be a little bit better or a little bit different angle but if you work around people long enough and it's been five years for us i really do feel like you step away 
seeing people less as like competition and more like good people you like spending time with. And so that's what I've been enjoying is that the last five years, it's like, you know, the drive from Portland to Eugene is a drag. <laughs> but once you're down there, you know, the BSing with the people and it's kind of catching up. But how are you, how you doing? How are your family? I think that's a. Uh, that's something I really enjoyed. So, yeah, thanks for being part of that. And I think that's important with our conversation to journalism, too. You don't want just one outlet as the voice of your team, because I think what you guys do makes us better. And hopefully the same thing applies, mm-hmm. knowing that someone else is, is working hard as well. And uh, so we will miss you seeing you around. But uh, I guess if Mario's season goes as well as John Wilner and others think we might see you at the Rose Bowl <laughs> yeah. on New Year's Day. No guarantees I'll be living anywhere close there, but uh, maybe you can drive the three hours in traffic to my house and have a beer. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Thanks man. Andrew. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Duck Pod. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. 